Hey, good morning. I'm Greg Schaefer, and welcome to the Virtual CISO Moment Information Security Wrap-Up for Friday, June 23rd, 2023. We start today from Bleeping Computer. Microsoft says that Internet-exposed Linux and Internet of Things, or IoT devices, are being hijacked in brute force attacks as part of a recently observed cryptojacking campaign. After gaining access to a system, the attackers deploy a trojanized open SSH package that helps them backdoor the compromised devices and steal SSH credentials to maintain persistence. The patches install hooks that intercept the passwords, rather the patches install hooks that intercept the passwords and key all keys of the device's SSH connections. This according to Microsoft, whether it's a client or a server. Moreover, the patches enable root login over SSH and conceal the intruder's presence by suppressing the locking of the threat actor's SSH sessions, which are distinguished by a special password. Now, the backdoor shell script deployed by the same time as the trojanized SSH binary will add two public keys to the authorized keys file for persistent SSH access. It further allows the threat actors to harvest system information, install reptile and diamorphine open source LKM root kits to hide malicious activity on the hijacked systems. The threat actors also use the backdoor to eliminate other miners by adding new IP, IP tables, rules, and entries to see hosts to drop traffic to hosts and IPs used by the operation's cryptojacking competitors. Microsoft says it also identifies minor processes and files by their names and either terminates them or blocks access to them and removes SSH access configured and authorized keys by other adversaries. Now, the backdoor malware utilizes multiple techniques to ensure its persistence on compromised systems, duplicating the binary across several dislocations and creating cron jobs to make it execute periodically. Not fun. Info Security Magazine says that Apple has released a series of updates for its operating systems and Safari browser. These patches aim to address a ser series of vulnerabilities that have been actively exploited, including two zero days. The zero days were reportedly weaponized as part of a mobile surveillance campaign called Operation Triangulation, which has been operational since 2019. I don't think that that implies that these are zero days from 2019, but it's kind of a little nebulous there. The first zero day identified as CVE 2023-32434 is an integer overflow vulnerability in the kernel. If it's exploited, a malicious app could execute arbitrary code with kernel privileges. The second zero day is CVE 2023-32435 is a memory corruption vulnerability in WebKit and exploitation could result in arbitrary code execution when processing specially crafted web content. Now, in this latest security bulletin from Apple, they acknowledge that these two vulnerabilities might have been actively exploited on iOS versions released before iOS 15.7. The company did credit researchers from Kapersky and other organizations and persons for reporting the vulnerabilities. The updates are available now for various platforms, including iOS, iPadOS, and other OSs. It's in the article. The latest book, fixes now bring the total number of zero-day vulnerabilities addressed by Apple to nine since the beginning of the year. Seems like a lot to me. We'll be right back after a message from our sponsor. VCSO Services is a small, specialized, veteran-owned information security firm with a calling 
founded on Christian values and focused on the needs of small and mid-sized businesses. Our passion is to help small and mid-sized businesses gain a fighting chance in an increasingly hostile cybersecurity threat environment by providing executive part-time virtual CISO services, information security risk management services, and CISO advisory services. Check them out at vcsoservices.com. So not the best news from dark reading. IT staff are increasingly saddled with data protection compliance, which is seen as a burden for some businesses, and it's being passed to overloaded IT departments, leaving organizations unsure if they're compliant at all, because really that's not IT's job. So some details here. Research released this week at InfoSecurity Europe by Hornet Security found that 80% of organizations are more concerned about compliance than they were five years ago. That's good news. However, the burden to retain an appropriate level of compliance falls in the IT department in more than half or 57% of the businesses. That's the bad news. This is a survey of IT leaders in around 200 organizations, and they found that more than a third of organizations don't have a dedicated compliance officer. And 69% say that respond of the respondents say that compliance has a moderate to extreme impact on their IT department's operations. This does suggest that rather than being seen as a risk management enabler, compliance is perceived as a hindrance to achieve and mainly simply over offload it rather to the IT department, which may or may not be prepared to handle it. I would submit that probably may not is more appropriate because it's not their core competency. Quote from the report from Hornet Security CEO Daniel Hoffman, the fact that more than half of companies are hindering the day-to-day work of IT departments through lack of compliance staff and policies is a huge concern. Don't necessarily agree with that. Compliance staff doesn't need to be within the IT staff, in my opinion. It's a it's outside of the three mo- three lines of defense model. They should fall somewhere else. Now, the solution, according to Rwanda Fielding, director of Miss IG Geek, says is for the responsibility for compliance to be spread among the whole organization, starting with a lead from the top. I agree with that. She says that it is the responsibility of senior management to provide the rest of the organization with parameters, resources, and steerage so that legal contractual business obligations can be met. But what often seems to happen is that the top level of an organization just assumes that compliance is something that could be achieved simply by telling people what to do or saying that it's an IT issue. That's I'm putting that in and threatening them with punishment if they don't. More not so good news. This comes from the Evening Standard. Millions of insecure medical devices in NHS hospitals put lives at risk in the event of a cyber attack. The huge array of unprotected internet event-enabled devices in hospitals is a soft target for ransomware gangs to carry out cyber attacks. Now, there are potentially millions of medical devices in NHS trust hospitals across England not being monitored and at risk for being exploited by cyber criminal gangs using ransomware attacks. This according to U.S. cybersecurity firm Armis Security, which set out a freedom of information request to 150 NHS trusts in England, asking for details on how the hospitals catalog and monitor their medical devices, namely all internet-enabled devices such as laptops, desktop computers, MRI machines, CT scanners, drug dispensing stations, pacemakers, which I did not realize that 
pacemakers work on the internet. That's kind of a little scary. Connected inhalers, same thing there, or heart rate and blood pressure monitors. Only 71 NHS trusts responded with the data, but what they said was eye-opening. One in five hospitals admitted that they use spreadsheets to manually track each medical device added to their networks, while almost one in six devices on hospital networks are not monitored for cybersecurity risks at all. Sounds like they need to look into GRC systems. Back to the article. In other words, these seemingly innocuous devices can be used by hackers to shut down entire hospital networks because attackers are able to hack into and leapfrog from these devices to central parts of hospital networks, leaving trails of destruction in their wake. Now, here's something I don't agree in the article. They say that what's exasperating this problem is that healthcare networks are generally flat in that the sense that they any device on the network can talk to any other device. Is that really true in this day and age that hospital networks are actually flat? I thought that we dispensed the flat networks 20 years ago. So I have a little issue with that in the statement here. I'd like to see some data on that. Um, another little random and rather obvious statement from the article. Hackers typically want to steal data from organizations or encrypted and demand ransom money with Healthcare, there is an added risk that patients' lives can be impacted both by the disruption caused by the cyber attacks and network outages, but also by hacking attempts on medical devices. Now, a spokesperson for a spokeswoman for NHS England told the standard, quote, the NHS will continue to review the requirements for cybersecurity relating to connected medical devices and take action to make improvements where appropriate. Security Week brings not more not-so-good news. A new information stealer malware is quickly becoming popular among hackers on prominent underground forums, according to a warning from cybersecurity company Cypherma. Dubbed Mystic Stealer, the malware was first spotted in April 2023 when it was made available to seasoned cyber criminals for testing purposes. Cypherma's researchers tracking the evolution of the malware discovered the developer updated the information stealer based on feedback, leading to a surge in prevalence with more than 50 active command and control servers identified to date. Written in C and targeting Windows, Mystic Stealer leverages code manipulation and operates in memory to evade detection. The malware uses system calls to compromise targets and to avoid leaving evidence of infection behind. The malware does not use third-party libraries, contains a self-written browser database parser, and was designed to search for data of interest before compression, encryption, and exfiltration. Now, according to Cypherma, the malware is capable of hijacking passwords, cookies, credit cards, and other information from browsers, browsers and cryptocurrency wallet extensions, Outlook passwords and files, and can take screenshots and gather system information. So here's a little bit of good information, I guess, good news. If you're ISACA certified, then you'll like this. Pay for ISACA certifications is on the rise. The rapid growth of technology and the increased integration into nearly every aspect of our lives has brought about new digital, new challenges in, in ensuring the security of our digital infrastructure. So as a result, the demand for skilled cybersecurity professionals has surged leading to the establishment of a thriving cybersecurity certification marketplace. New highly validated data from 4,200 employers in 
ISACA's long-running IT Skills and Certification Pay Index, IPSCPI, reveals that the average cash pay premium for 606 IT certifications has risen in three of the last four years. Now, this is earning those who have a certificate the equivalent of 6.6% in base salary, and even better, for the 137 IT certifications reported, it is a whopping, whopping 8.3% for those lucky enough to work for an employer willing to pay you a premium for your certification. The blog post goes on to say that ISACA certifications have displayed particularly impressive overall pay performance in the labor marketplace based on the latest uh, findings. Pay premiums for six ISACA certifications included in the report have risen an average of 6.1% over the last 12 years. And there's more information in the article. Sounds good. If you're ISACA certified, go request that raise. Finally, Ostiendio has a guide for how to prove ROI, that's return on investment, on your security and compliance platform, GRC tool, otherwise known as Governance Re, um, Risk and Compliance. Security and compliance teams are no strangers to fumbling through compliance spreadsheets, answering endless back and forth emails, we've all been there before, and incessantly reminding employees to complete overdue training. As a result, the industry has seen a growth of GRC tools and security and compliance solutions. Now, their report has an in-depth look of how much a GRC tool costs. In case you are thinking about that or proposing it, it also has um, information on how you can make a case for a GRC tool with a proven return on investment. Now, justifying a compliance investment is a challenging undertaking after all, you're already investing in several resources to manage security compliance. So some of the items that the blog post talks about is, for example, you're employing an auditor services for your next audit. You're investing in multiple tools for training and documentation. You've got what I would call tool sprawl. You don't have the time to onboard new software across your organization. It's hard enough to get colleagues to complete training on time. Getting buy-in to a compliance tool is a project in itself, I would agree. So check out that report. It is in the show notes. As always, the link is there if you want to check it out. And that's it for today. That's it for the week. I hope you have a wonderful weekend. We'll see you on Monday with a quick strike. And of course, until then, stay secure. Mm -hmm.